So always good to be back. This really is one of my favorite pulpits to come back to and to, uh, to visit you. And I praise the Lord that there's always an open door whenever I'm in town. And this being so close to where I usually stay is probably one of the churches I get back to the most. And I truly enjoy it. Let me give you some updates real quickly before we go into the word tonight. I'll start the update with a very heavy prayer request for Samoa right now, please. Uh, we are uh, going through a measles epidemic of great proportions. Uh, it's been about a month now since it started. We've lost 48 lives, almost all very young children. And there's now a reported 3,000, about 3,400 cases of the measles. We had so few people who had been properly vaccinated and somebody came from New Zealand with the measles not realizing yet they had had it and it just has done so much damage. We know of one family that lost their three youngest children to the measles. So there's a lot of sorrow and a lot of heartbreak in the Samoan Islands right now. It's all over in the independent part in the West uh, in American Samoa, the vaccinations and all that kind of thing are much more up to date. And they've only had two cases of the measles uh, and they've had no deaths there. But even for Emmy and me to travel, we had to go get revaccinated because we didn't have our old records uh, in order to be able to leave the country. And the country's in a state of emergency and many people are hurting. Even as we closed the school year down, we had to close early. And we had four different full programs ready to go. Our kindergarten graduation, eighth grade graduation, the school-wide awards assembly, and our early Christmas program. Our school year ends the last week of November every year. So we had to close it down early and crunch four programs that everyone was prepared for all into one. The parents could come, but no other children. They couldn't do the exchanges of you know, lays, we call them ulas, and all those kind of things we typically do. We had to limit it. But the Lord saw us through that, and it was a lovely program and way to close down the school year. And really, that's a minor thing compared to what many people are going through. So I want to reiterate that. Please be in special prayer for Samoa uh, at this time. Uh, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I pray not so, but we've had four more deaths in the last 24 hours. I'm getting daily updates from the government there, and I'm keeping up with the numbers and trying to keep up with the areas where it's hitting the hardest. So we'd appreciate that. There are some exciting things going on in the ministry. We're involved in two church plants at this point, our first one and our second one. Because the dateline goes between Samoa and American Samoa, I can preach on Sunday, fly over, and have a second Sunday, and I've been doing a lot of that this year. So it's a little bit exhausting, but very rewarding. And the Lord has been growing both churches, and we see just wonderful things happening. And we're on the cusp of turning the one church over completely. A pastor was ordained last year and will be installed as the senior pastor of our second church plant. On the first weekend of February, it will be the 10th anniversary of the church. Another man we've been training will be ordained to be the assistant pastor and youth pastor. So over there, my only role will be just helping out and offering some counsel, but they will take that over completely. We will work with the school for a little while. The school is not ready to turn over yet, 
So we'll work with that. And I'm working with the first church. We're doing a pastor search now uh, so that they can call their first local pastor. So we're seeing both churches. One has been there for 20 years and one 10. We're coming on those numbers about to turn over. So really when we come back for our full furlough, this is a very short visit. Uh, at that point, we'll be preparing, Lord willing, to launch a third work after that. So that brings us into 21. So uh, the Lord's doing great things. Thank you very much. Every time I have the opportunity to say thank you, it means so so much. I love to have that opportunity, opportunity because you have been supporting us so very faithfully. While we're here, we have a few real minor medical things. Praise the Lord. Both of our health is good. Uh, we're taking care of that. We're also taking care of the shipping of 15,000 more Samoan Bibles. Already all the expenses are covered, so I don't mention this as a financial need, but uh, we're just here to take care of the logistics and get all that shipped. We are continuing to go village to village, house to house, bringing uh, Samoan Bibles uh, in their own language with the helps in the beginning and the plan of salvation and those other good things. So lots going on. When we had that 10th anniversary I mentioned in the first weekend of February, installation of a pastor, ordination of uh, the other pastor, we also, Lord willing, will be breaking ground on a building to have a church hall and additional classrooms because they're needed. So there's a lot going on when we get back. So please continue to keep us in prayer. We would appreciate that so very much. Uh, the school has uh, gone well this year. Praise the Lord for our second eighth grade graduation. Last year was two students. This year was five students. Uh, and this would have been, I suppose, our ninth or tenth kindergarten graduation. So good things going on. It's been a very good season of ministry. Anybody who's been in ministry long enough knows that you have these seasons and these seasons. And we happen to be in a very good, strong season. Praise the Lord for that. If you have any other questions, just ask either one of us after, uh, after the service or whatever. We have some prayer cards with us, so if you don't have a prayer card or you particularly want to take one, especially to remember about the measles, just ask either one of us. We usually carry them with us. So that's our update, and with that, let's take our Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to have three short readings from the book of Proverbs and the question will be, <clears throat> what word do you see in all three readings? I'll give you a hint. It's a word we usually use about this time of the year. We'll start in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. When you found it, let's stand to our feet. I'll read for us. You can just uh, read along silently. Proverbs chapter 1. Verses 7 to 9, God's word says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Excuse me, lost my place there. Verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. And now we'll go over to chapter 4. And we'll read from verse 5 to 9. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, 
and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Our third one we find in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 12. I'll read 11 and 12. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. Let's pray before we're seated. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that we could just find fresh new things that we've never seen before. I've never studied this word or really noticed it before just yesterday. But good truths are here, Lord. But how could I ever communicate them without the work of your spirit, without you doing it through me? And so, Father, I pray that truth would be imparted, that encouragement would be given, that challenges would be made, and even as Pastor Walker said, that it would not be mere information, but that we could see transformation in our hearts. And so I do pray that and ask for that. In the name of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. <clears throat> amen. Who's got the word? You can just say it out. Ornament, we all got it good. We saw the word. It's a word we usually only use in modern speech around this time of the year. When are you going to break out the Christmas ornaments? The walls look very bare. But I heard there's a program coming up on Thursday. I have a funny feeling there may be some type of transformation. I don't know. I'm guessing. Maybe we're going to leave it just like this. I don't know. But I imagine that it's sometime soon that the ornaments come out and the decorations come out and things will be adorned. And uh, I imagine it'll be beautiful. And the first time you walk in and see it, you'll probably say something like, wow, look at those Christmas ornaments. That's the title of the message tonight, except one word is slightly different. Wow, look at those Christian ornaments. Some things we find in these verses in the book of Proverbs where the word ornament is used. And in each of them, I got thinking about, wow, these are things that adorn our lives. You know the word ornament comes from the Latin ornare, to make attractive or make beautiful. And well, <clears throat> like I say, we usually would just use this word this time of the year to break out the Christmas ornaments. Well, I say break out the Christian ornaments and don't pack them away. Where do you keep them? Do you keep your Christmas ornaments in the attic, in the basement, in the closet of that spare bedroom, in plastic tubs underneath the bed? I don't know where you keep them. Do you store them neatly and nicely? Or when it's done, do you tear them down and throw them in there and then dread next year when you pull them out and you're trying to separate the lights from the old garland and tinsel and all that stuff? Everybody's different. I don't know. But even when we get to the point where we put them away, may we have Christian ornaments, things that make us attractive. 
You see, this world needs Christians who are attractive. I know it's obvious. I don't have to say that. Say this. I'm not talking about physically attractive. But to be attractive, to be appealing, to be beautiful. And you can be beautified by looking at these different ornaments we find in the scriptures. The dictionary defines ornament. A thing used to make something look more attractive. It says, especially a small object such as a figurine. A quality adding grace, beauty, or honor to something. One thing you will find that when you go through Proverbs again and again, you will find more and more things that will add honor to your life if you would take them, receive them, and apply them. It's interesting. I like words. A lot of you know I was an English teacher for a lot of years, so I love to do word studies. But I I never knew this. Probably a lot of you knew it. You're brainies. I'm not. But it's an architectural term, too. When they put decorative little things on the buildings to embellish it, they call them ornaments. I didn't know it was a verb. I'm ornamenting. I never knew that. I found that out. It's new. I told someone else and they knew that. I didn't. Maybe you did too. We're ornamenting. We don't say that. We say we're decorating. And may we as Christians be decorated in such a way that it's attractive. That it makes us more attractive, more beautiful. Because we live in a world where there is so much ugliness. Let's not uglify this world. Let us beautify this world. It's also a musical term, I understand, where there's embellishments like trills. And the dictionary said grace notes. I don't know what grace notes are in music, but you have a lot of musical people. Some, maybe somebody after the service will tell me, I forgot to ask Siri on the way. I found out it's a churchy term, too, an ecclesiastical term. I know you want to know all of this. This is all that transform, transformation stuff that Pastor Walker was taking. Don't you feel transformed already? By having all of this etymology, wow. But it's also an ecclesiastical term in a high church. They call the altar and the chalice and those things the ornaments of worship. Well, we want to have ornaments in our hearts. We want to deck the halls of our homes and our hearts with beautiful adornments. So with that, let's look at the the ones that just come naturally in the passages where we find the word ornament. So the first one is that first reading. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament, a garland, an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. It's speaking here of those garlands. We call it a pale in Samoan, a garland of that's put on a head like a crown, like a crown of victory or a crown of celebration. And it's saying here, let these things, the fear of the Lord, that's reverence. And then obedience to one's parents and the law that they communicate and the commandments of God that they communicate. You will find in the book of Proverbs that two underlying principles are stated right from the beginning and they follow throughout the book. Reverence toward God and respect toward authority. I like John Phillips. He, one of my favorite commentators, he alliterates everything. Reverence toward God and respect toward our guides. And so in the book of Proverbs, it would uh, be parental. My son, 
forget not, forsake not the law of thy mother. And so you will see that in there. I tell you what, that is beautiful adornment. It's something that is needed in this world. From Adam forward, fallen man has not held and clung to reverence toward God and respect toward authority and toward the law of God, the commandments of God. Even man put in a perfect environment, given a garden with all of his needs satisfied and beautiful things all around him and only one law not to forsake would forsake it. If you consider things to come and you think all the way past the the rapture and the tribulation and the return of Christ with the church and the establishment of the millennial kingdom when Christ himself will reign on earth and he will reign perfectly and you will have a perfect environment and the devil himself will be bound for a thousand years and you will have the perfect environment you can. And yet it says at the end of those thousand years when Satan is loosed, people will be deceived and drawn away from God. So think about that. We live in a fallen world. But praise God, Christ came and He died for us. And I trust that as I look around tonight, many of us have put our faith in Christ and we've been born again. And we're a new creature. Old things are passed away, but it doesn't always look that way. We're not always adorned, decorated, as we ought to be. We often revert to old patterns. Even though that old man was crucified with Christ, we forget that. But this world needs Christians who are adorned with ornaments of grace. And one of them is to have a reverence toward God. To truly believe that it is the fear of the Lord, the awe of the Lord, that is the beginning of wisdom elsewhere of knowledge in the scriptures, that it would be something that is in our hearts and in our homes. As parents, it's exhibited to our children that we have a fear of the Lord, a reverence for him, and the things of God hold utmost importance in our lives because of how we feel about our God, because of the relationship that we have with Him, because of the knowledge and revelation of Him that we've received, where our children see that how we feel about worship and how committed we are to the things of God and of His commandments, that there's a reverence. And then, oh, to be adorned with a respect. Both of these really have to do with obedience, don't they? When you revere someone, when you fear them with an awe, you obey. When you respect your authorities, God has given us authorities. And not only himself and the authority of his word, but he's given us a home that's modeled with with a structure of authority. The world kicks against it. The world has it flipped upside down. Any action show you're going to watch, the hero is always some type of edgy guy who bucks authority and goes and does it his way, and he ends up right in the end and maybe gets a slap on the wrist or gets congratulated because he went his own way. He went rogue. That's an action movie we want to see. We have no taste anymore for a guy who just does right and does right and does right and prevails because he does right. We want a guy who does wrong. And but in that has a good outcome. Authority in the family, it's totally flipped upside down. Watch any comedy nowadays. Well, please don't. 
But you'll always see, dad is a dope. Mom is smarter than dad, and he has to crawl to her and apologize for everything so that he might get a nice little hug. And the kids are smarter than both of them, and they rule the place. And the moral lessons we're going to get come from the kids. That's the world, flipping it upside down. What am I saying? Let our homes have these ornaments of grace where God is revered and respected and people know that about you. You can decorate your home with all the Christmas decorations you want. I have uh, my cousin uh, and his family stay in the house where I grew up and if you drive by that house now, when Christmas time comes, they've got stuff all over. It's not quite like you uh, the thing you put on, but it's pretty ornate and they've got stuff all over inside and outside. It's a winter Wonderland, you can decorate all you want if you're not adorning your heart and your home with these ornaments. You're really not beautified. It's really not attractive. Because you see, in the world with this, it's not reverence and respect. It's rebellion and rejection. But when people uh, suffer the consequences of that kind of lifestyle and want to turn to someone for something different. And the Lord would use that to draw them to truth. Oh, how valuable a beautiful Christian is who's beautified, who's adorned with these graces, with these things. Parents, as authorities in the household, we need to give our children something to respect. They'll respect us as we revere God. They need to learn a respect for authority. Please do not go home after the morning service and have the pastor for lunch. Amen? Please don't uh, gripe and complain on the way home with your young children in the back seat or in their car seats hearing you do a rating system. I've been here enough times to hear the preaching. I've heard Pastor Walker and others more times back when Pastor Martins was here. I heard preaching, and you get good preaching dished out here. And I don't know about those guys, because every time I've come, it's just been good stuff. But if they're anything like me, anything close, there are days when it just doesn't come together. There are days when you think you've got something that's going to preach, and it doesn't. Or there are days when the Lord gives them thunder, and lightning, and they hit hard and it steps all over your toes, make sure you honor the man of God and the things of God. Amen? We're not up here to entertain. We're not up here to make it so that you get something so you can cry out of one eye and laugh out of the other, and you had a tear, and you had a smile and a laughter, and it was well balanced. We're not trying to uh, run for office. We've got the office. Amen? We're here to preach the word, but what I'm getting at is to have a reverence for God, for the man of God, for the house of God, for the things of God, for the law of God, for the word of God. We'll get to that next. And to have a respect. Men, by saying, I agree with the Bible and I take the Bible truth that the head of a household is the husband, is the father, that does not make you a chauvinist. It does not make you a sexist. It does not make you a misogynist. It makes you someone who believes in the Word of God. Do not abdicate that position. Do not uh, relinquish the moral authority to someone else. Men, we need to take that place. Women, by honoring the man as the head of the household, doesn't make you a vacuous, empty man minded nothing 
It makes you a believer in the word of God. Amen? Oh, is that uncomfortable? I hope it is a little bit. How can we have transformation if we're not made to feel a little bit uncomfortable? To have reverence and respect for authority in your home is a beautiful thing. Oh, parents, to insist that your children respect you as authority in the home doesn't make you authoritarian, inflexible, abusive. It makes you Christians who understand the word of God. See, we come from a culture that if somebody speaks back to their parents, the next thing they require is dental work. I shouldn't say those kind of things. That's how we, we come from that kind of culture in Samoa. They're not going to speak back. You could have the biggest old Samoan guy, you know, one of those wrestler types, uh, those big guys. But he sees a pastor and he speaks to him so respectfully. He sees his mama and he speaks respectfully. He sees his father. He sees an elder and he speaks respectfully. And they're trained that way from the youngest age. I don't find it typical at all to go shopping in Samoa and to hear, No, mommy, I want it. I want it. Mommy, I want it. No, 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 no. You're not, you're, stop it. We can't get you that. All right, just one. No, I want them both. I want. You'll never see that there. You'll see flying children. <laughs> don't let the culture shape you. Let the word shape you. You see, for they shall be an ornament of grace, the instruction of the father and the law of the mother. They shall be an ornament of grace under thy head. Break out the Christian ornaments and don't put them away. And so we have some wonderful thoughts there. I spoke of the wives being in submission. Men... Why don't we make it easier for them to do that? By leading lovingly. By loving them as Christ loved the church. Amen? But wives, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, it's another one of the passages where you find the word ornament. In verse 1, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation or conduct of the wives. It's a sad truth, but especially I see here in America, it's, I, I'm, it's global, I see it in Samoa, it is often the wife is, who is more spiritual, more faithful to church, and somehow the dad is two, three, or thirty steps behind. But the Word of God doesn't say, in that case, wife who is more spiritual, you take the lead. You take over. It tells her, to be in subjection, to be in submission, and to win them by your conduct. It goes on, I won't read the whole passage. You remember that's that passage where it says the plating of the hair and the adorning and all of that. But it says in verse 4, But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great that ornament is so costly. God's order for the home and design for the family is not. 
I'd never found that in the Hebrew, Greek, even the Aramaic, in the Bible. And maybe it's in one of your versions. I don't know. I haven't found it. Amen? Instead, God says he considers it of great value when there is a meek and quiet spirit. See, a home that is pervaded, that is decorated all around with reverence for God and respect for authority will be a home free of chaos and conflict. Oh, it's going to happen sometimes. We're all going to face that in this world. But it won't be characterized by, it won't be the temperature, it won't be the climate of your home. I, we may just spend the whole time on the first ornament because I'm down to about 12 minutes left. But maybe it's the one we need to concentrate on tonight. Let me say to the young people, child, young, oh, I don't want to be called a child, sorry, young person, young adults, young people, you are not uncool because you respect your parents, because you obey them. That is well-pleasing to God. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is well-pleasing to God. That pleases God. And you don't have to go to school and hang out with the, the kids and because they're saying something. You're saying, I can't stand my mom. I hate her. She doesn't let me do this and that. And she took this and it's unfair and I hate it. You don't have to join in that to be cool. You also don't have to get in there and say, well, my mom's the best. But you don't have to participate in that. It is a beautiful thing to have an orderly home, to have respect for your parents. Don't accept the lie that's being shoved down your throat that somehow being rebellious just means you're growing up and establishing your own identity and figuring out things for yourself. You have parents that God has given you and he said to respect them, to have reverence for him and respect for them. And God will bless you with great things far more than the cool gang will in the short term. Let's go to the next one in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 to 9. So first we looked at the ornaments of reverence and respect. Secondly, we're going to look at the ornaments of wisdom and understanding. And I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I wish I had one of those things where I could click. We're going to talk about wisdom and understanding. Take your Bibles and open it. But I won't do that. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5 to 9. You find, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Oh, these ornaments of wisdom and understanding. Your home, your heart, your life is beautified. You are made attractive when you have wisdom and understanding. They are beautiful ornaments. But friends, that's something we have to get it. It's not going to just come by osmosis. It's not going to come after 40 hours straight at whatever the latest thing is. I don't know. Xbox. I don't know what's, what's what nowadays. But whatever it is, that's not where you're going to get your wisdom. You're not going to get it from... Whatever shows are on nowadays, uh, CSI, I don't even know if that's still on, but whatever it is, sitting in front of that thing hour after hour after hour. I mean, we don't have an appetite for it. We have an appetite for amusement and entertainment. Well, we have to have this idea that, wow, 
God puts such emphasis on getting wisdom and understanding so that you're beautified, so that when someone crashes into a wall in the world and they're without Christ and without biblical knowledge and without understanding and without wisdom, they know where to go. They may be a little bit weird, but I think I can get some advice. Well, you're not going to be able to do that by opening your Bible once a week on Sunday morning, or maybe you make it to the evening. I guess all of you did tonight. You're going to get that by being in the Word of God, because the passage goes on to say, exalt her wisdom. I'm not really thrilled that the Bible personifies wisdom as a woman instead of a man, but I'll take it. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. Where are you going to get wisdom? You're going to get it right from the book. Amen? I'm going to jump over some things here. You need to know the source of wisdom. It's God himself. If any man lack wisdom, James, it's called the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs of the New Testament. If any of you lack wisdom, ask God. He gives it liberally. One of the few times the word liberal is used, and I like it. He gives it liberally, and he upbraideth not. He won't chastise you. He won't scold you. He won't chide you. We have a source of wisdom. If you read in the book of Proverbs, it says, Wisdom crieth out in the streets. Wisdom is so available. She utters her voice in the streets. She cries out in the concourse, in the places where the streets cross and business is done and transactions are made. She is ever available to the person who's looking. We can't follow the world in this and just fill our time with empty entertainment, amusement, amuse, think not, not think. Instead, to say, I need to prioritize it. I won't wait until January 1st to start reading my Bible through in a year. The transformation will start right now. This is my source of wisdom. God is my source of wisdom. I want the right type of wisdom. Uh, James tells us in chapter 3 about wisdom. And he tells us, I'm just going to give the one verse, but the wisdom that, from, that is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated. It says in verse 15 before that, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish, the three enemies, inner, well, earthly, the external. And then it speaks of sensual, that's the internal self, flesh. And then devilish, that speaks of the infernal, of the devil himself. There is a kind of wisdom that you can get in this world. Your enemies would be glad to fill you with it, and it will lead you to be pugnacious. It will lead you to be argumentative. It will lead you to be puffed up. That's not wisdom from God, but we can be adorned with a wisdom that is peaceable and gentle. You don't have to go out there and confront every person of a different faith. You just present the truth peaceably. That's wisdom from heaven. Oh, that we would be adorned in our third one. We have a few minutes, and that's over in Proverbs 25, in verses 11 to 12. In verse 12, it says, As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. You need the two of them. We need wise reproof. 
We need a wise reprover. It's such a beautiful thing, the verse before it, that a word fitly spoken is like a beautiful work of art, of craftsmanship. And then it goes on here. You have to have both. You need to have not only the reproof, but the repentance. They're ornaments. And we need both sides of that ornament. We need, first of all, to be able to receive reproof. You know, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Reproof, I think we all know this verse, don't we? Reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. The Word of God is profitable. Of the four things we're told that it's profitable, one of them is reproof. And what this world needs is wise reprovers. We don't need people going around issuing out reproof all the time, doing it unwisely doing it legalistically, pharisaically. We need to be adorned with wise reproof. We have the words of life. We have wisdom and understanding for us. Would somebody come to us for counseling? Would somebody turn to us? We have to be able to give wise reproof. Oh, parents, it's hard, isn't it? When they're real young, it's not so hard. But when they get to that age where they're adults and they have to do it themselves and you can't take off the belt anymore and you want to reprove the things that they're not doing right because you know it's harmful for them. Oh, how we need wise reproof. I better get off that rabbit trail. I may just be getting too transparent if I go any further down that trail. Wise reproof. But you can have the wisest reprover in the world, if it's not coupled with an obedient ear. Please don't go around trying to be a wise reprover if you yourself can't receive it. What's the saying? Don't dish it out if you can't take it. If you cannot receive reproof, if you're too smart, if you're too good, if you're too important, don't dish it out. Just check out on the whole thing. But if you can receive reproof, if when pastor comes and God gives him thunderbolts and he steps all over your toes, you can say, amen, thank you, I needed that. Instead of, I know he was talking about me. He saw my thing on Facebook. That's why he's talking about alcohol today, because he saw that picture. Why doesn't he just come talk to me? Instead of saying, I need that. And I repent the reproof given and an obedient ear. See, the picture is beautiful golden earrings because it involves the ear adorned beautifully. The three wisest reprovers are found in the Word of God. In John chapter 16, Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit who's coming. And he says, when he comes... He will reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. If you want to become a wise reprover, let it be the Spirit of God. I already mentioned the Word of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. And the final one is the man of God. And we'll come to a close there. The man of God. Be uh, instant, in season, out of season. Rebuke, uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort 
with all long suffering. That's what Paul told Timothy. This world needs people who have reverence and respect for God. This world, your community, needs people who have wisdom and understanding. This world needs people who can receive reproof and who could artfully administer reproof. Wise reprovers. Lord, help us to decorate our hearts, our homes with these ornaments so that someone might just say, wow, look at those Christian ornaments. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to speak at this dear church. I just always love to be here. I do pray, Lord, that somebody heard what they needed to hear tonight and that your spirit would continue his work. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.